Along with Luis Fernandez, Dennis Cox here with you on 99.9 The Fan this afternoon. It is game four tonight. Graham Hill producing the program. Stormwatch with Adam Gold. Just under an hour away. Wow. Six o'clock with Adam Gold. He'll get you all the way up to puck drop, which is just after seven o'clock tonight. Adam Gold is going to join us here in just a moment here on the Daily Checkdown. So you know what? Let's not waste any more time, Lewis. Let's get after it. So Bob Huggins, West Virginia men's basketball coach, jerk. I'm just gonna say that. I say other things. There's but, a lot. Of, there's a lot of words I'd like but, to use. Yeah, to there's a lot of other things. Right but he went on a Cincinnati radio show. Now he used to be head coach at the University of Cincinnati men's basketball team, and was talking about Xavier men's basketball, their program, and used a homophobic slur not once but twice. It, it, in the it, same sports, and this is on a sports radio show interview up in Cincinnati. Yeah, live, live radio, live on air, said it twice. And it, the the ease in which it came out of his mouth as well, I think, stands out a lot. Yeah. So we might see some ramifications of this here in the near future because now Bob Huggins and West Virginia did release an apology yesterday. Yeah, Bob Bob Huggins released a statement. It's it's a long one. It's about a paragraph. You can find it on West Virginia Ben's basketball's Twitter account. So I'll. I'll you know, I'll save you the trouble. I'll paraphrase it a little bit, but essentially he apologizes. Um, I deeply apologize to the individuals I've offended. Um, I've shared that with my players. Um, th- there are consequences for words and actions, and I will fully accept any coming my way. I am ashamed and embarrassed and heartbroken for those I have hurt. I must do better, and I will. Uh, and then the the university, the athletics program, released a statement saying that Huggins' remarks were insensitive, offensive, and do not represent our university values. He's apologized. Uh, the situation is under review and will be addressed by university and its athletics department. Uh, this is something that you know is much bigger than sports, but just the context of it, Bob Huggins is the all-time active, winningest Division One college men's basketball coach right now. Yeah, with um, Bayheim and recently retired Roy, Coach K, He's right up there. Yeah. He's up there with, I think, Bill Self, Brick Patino. Those guys are all up there in terms of active head coaches in terms of wins. So, yeah, we might see Bob Huggins uh, get the pink slip. And I would not be surprised one bit if that happens. No, because you cannot say those things. It is very bad. You should not say those things. All right, next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Lions. The Detroit Lions have waived some of the players uh, that they suspended earlier this year for... Well, the NFL suspended. The NFL suspended, excuse me, yes, for a variety uh, of reasons, but the the main one being uh, gambling, uh, gambling uh, on uh, property uh, of the NFL, the Detroit Lions, which you cannot do. Uh, That included uh, waiving wide receiver Stanley Berryhill. Uh, he was among four Lions players that was suspended in April. It was violating the NFL's gambling policy after an investigation. Uh, the most notable of the group uh, being Jamison Williams is suspended, uh, but he is not going to be suspended for as long as like a Calvin Ridley was for an entire year. Yeah, Jamison Williams was suspended for six games. He was the first-round pick in 2022 as a wide receiver out of Alabama. Coming off a torn ACL yep. in his final year at Alabama. So... He was suspended for placing bets at the team facility. So the NFL does not allow you to place sports bets on team property mm-hmm. or during team travel. So, for example, if the Panthers are flying up to Pittsburgh and you're in your team hotel or you're at the facility at the stadium, even though you're on the road, 
you can't place any sort of sports bets. Yes. You can't do it. You can do it for the comfort of your couch at home, but you can't do it at the actual facility. At the actual facility. So that's why some guys were suspended. So not only was Stan- Stanley Berryhill released by the team, also wide receiver Quentin Cephas and safety CJ Moore were also waived uh, by the De- by the Detroit Lions as well. Now, Cephas and CJ Moore were suspended indefinitely by the league. They can apply for reinstatement in one calendar year because they were actually placing bets on actual NFL games. Which is a, a huge no-no. Yes. And this we is learned what anything Cal- from Pete and, Rose. And this is what Calvin Ridley was suspended for yeah. as well. So, uh, betting on games, not good. Now, there are guys, members of the Lions staff, that were making bets in the facility as well that were fired. Because, you, yeah, even if you aren't a player, if you're a part of the organization... You can't do those things. No. And that's okay because you are trying to protect the integrity of games. And as, you know, we, we've seen it all over the place. A lot of mobile betting apps become legalized. Um, North Carolina possibility be coming up here soon. You know, this is something that we're going to see more of these things happen before we see less of these things happen. Whether it's because of, you know, whether there's actual, like, malevolent intent involved yeah. or whether it's just ignorance and not understanding the the rules, not understanding the ramifications. Um yeah, I mean, it's it, it's one of those things that's it's frustrating, um, and I just, you know, you're like, come on, man, you gotta you gotta be aware of what's going on, and and whether fortunately or unfortunately, some of these players who this is happening to early on have become examples of what not to do. That gets into the next thing. One, two, three. So we're seeing it in college athletics. Chris Lee and I talked about this yesterday. Uh, in I- Iowa State University, fifteen, approximately fifteen student athletes. Uh, we're apparently making wagers allegedly regarding sporting events. All right. So the NCAA does not allow student athletes or anyone involved in collegiate athletic programs to make any sort of sporting bet or bets on sports. It's there pretty, are it's exceptions to it. It's, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. I had experienced this. Or I had to learn this when I was a college athlete and I was playing lacrosse. And when I was coaching lacrosse, these are things that I had to know. So for example, you can't do any sort of bet involving an NCAA-sponsored sports, whether it's collegiate or pro. Yes, All right. on any so, level. On any level. So, for example, if you're a college athlete, even if it's right down the road here at William Peace University, okay, Division three school, and you are a, a baseball player, for example, you cannot place a bet on a professional soccer game because soccer is an NCAA-sanctioned sport, yeah. even if that's in Bundesliga. Out in Germany, you can't do it. Nope. All right? It's cut and dry. Now, sports like boxing, mixed martial arts, are not NCAA-sponsored sports. You are allowed to make bets on those. Now, also, bets include NCAA office pools for brackets and things along those lines, Super Bowl squares, those kinds of things. You can't do that as a college athlete or even someone who works in the staff. You, you can't even be an administrative assistant and do those kinds of things. It's, it's a cut and dry NCAA rule. It's 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 very straightforward. It really is. So we saw that saw this yesterday. Iowa State University and Department of Inter- Intercollegiate Athletics uh, about wagering allegations involving 15 of their active student athletes from football, wrestling, and track and field in violation of NCAA rules. Well, now we're seeing it at the University of Iowa. So we've seen it at Iowa State, not the University of Iowa. The University of Iowa and the Department of Athletics. This is a statement coming from the university. 
They are aware of the sports wagering investigation and are fully cooperating. They have alerted the NCAA of the potential violations and have hired outside counsel. The athletics department provides education on NCAA rules regarding the prohibition of sports wagering as well as the potential consequences. This includes, as of right now, uh, university has received information of about 111 individuals. This includes 26 current student athletes from football, baseball, men's basketball, men's track and field, men's wrestling, as well as one full-time employee Wow! at the University of, of Iowa. The vast majority of these individuals are student staff, former student athletes, or those with no connections to the uh, to the university. So of the 111 individuals, 26 being somewhat associated with the school right now, um, as mobile sports betting, as legalized sports betting becomes more prominent across the country, it's, it's very easy. It's very easy for people to make bets. Now, as student-athletes, I know every university right now is telling their student-athletes, do not wager on sports. So you better delete that it, app. It, 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 do not make wagers. I guarantee you every college athletic program is going to have something set in line when these student-athletes come back in the fall. Everything you need to know about sports betting. Because, again, here in North Carolina – there is no legalized sports betting, but if you're on the road to a state, for example, Virginia, there's legalized sports betting. So It's all geofence. It's all geofence. So when NC State or UNC or Duke goes up to UVA or Virginia Tech to play a game, you can't just, hey, you know what? I'm going to make a couple NFL bets this like, weekend. You and I can do that. We can. But we're not college athletes, unfortunately. Or even – I actually, up until a, literally one calendar a year ago – I was a college lacrosse coach, so I couldn't, you even, I couldn't even make bets yeah. uh, if I wanted to. Even back visiting my family in Virginia, I couldn't do it. So, nevertheless, this is where legalized sports gambling actually starts to see trends in, in terms of where money is being placed and all those kinds of things. And this is where things get caught Well, and it's, because they want to protect their money, sure. and, and it's smart. It's, it's the, the juxtaposition of all of this where you had – Iowa and Iowa State, like it felt like almost back to back. This news coming out, yeah, it was literally one day after the next. Well, and then and then uh, Alabama's baseball coach, you know, last was that last week already? Yeah, last week was there. Fired. You go. So I mean, it's you you have a lot of these stories all happening at the exact same time. So it's it would not surprise me if more of this happens. Just we're gonna because see more of it. We're so it's so new. It's so new. People, I don't think it's got a malice. I just I think people just don't know what the rules are. I will. Well, here's the thing. They do know. But as, as someone, as a former, again, again, former player and former college coach, I know plenty of people who checked out a lot during that conversation. Fair, fair. During the NCAA compliance meetings at the beginning of the season, the beginning of the school year, where, you know what, because you're 18, 19 years old, you're like, ah, whatever, I don't care, you're not paying attention. Then you realize, oh, wait, I can't do that? Oh. It happens. Yeah. All right, next up. And I don't even care who number two is. We head to the transfer portal where yes. NC State has a big man making their way from the Wolfpack to the transfer portal, Isaiah Miranda. Uh, he uh, was a uh, first-year player, came in in December as an early enrollee, uh, over seven feet tall, uh, and and he is entering the transfer portal after just a, about a half a year uh, at NC Literally State. Literally just half a season. He's a, he was a top 50 player. So that's, that's what you're looking at there. And it, the question now is, this has turned into a bit of a trend for NC State where you've, you've had a couple of guys now who – top 50 guys they come in most of them have gone pro as an alternative it's not like they're leaving and heading somewhere else but still 
The, the question is, um, I pose this to you, Dennis, sure. how big of a deal is this? Should we actually be concerned, or is it like, all right, it's just the state of college basketball now? I think it's a state of college basketball now, but I know for Miranda, this would have been his basically his true freshman season. So he yeah. reclassified during his senior year in high school to come to NC State midway through last school year. But again, he didn't play. So basically it was just a redshirt season. I kind of equated it to how sometimes you see in football, recruits come in and they're there for spring practice. And then they go. And then they, then they play their true freshman year. I kind of felt like that's what it was, mm-hmm. which, okay, if you're Kevin Keats, you can develop this young player. You can kind of learn your system, whatever it is that you want, and physically groom his body to be ready to play at the collegiate level. Okay. like I thought that was actually a really good move in that regard. But to see him go, this is where things, I think, get really tricky for, for college coaches, especially basketball when there's such – it's easy to turn over a higher percentage of your roster so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Is how are you balancing – your freshman that you recruit with the transfers that you bring in. It's a delicate balance because if if you're Miranda and you see, all right, only DJ Burns is coming back. Emmy Duana is gone because he enters the transfer portal. Okay, it's me and DJ Burns, but then Middlebrooks transfers in from Clemson. And then you see Diara transfer in from Missouri. That's a, that's a thing for you know like wait you brought in two other big guys it's a crowded room it gets it gets crowded real quick and there's only so many minutes to go around and and that's that's kind of the balance right it's the development versus the playing time yeah uh, that, that's what that balance has been will always be when it comes to college athletics and the transfer portal uh, and so the the bringing in two other big men is a little like that makes me think that maybe he was not going to be ready to play yeah. right away or to contribute at least a significant amount but you you would much rather have those kind of backlog that backlog of people who are going to be able to come in and fill in the roster and everything and keep them moving but i don't know it i don't think it's as big of a deal and it's not it's not like i don't think the sky should be falling um because nc state does have the depth there but it's it's not great it's a it's a bad look more than anything it's a bad look i will i'll, I'll close it on this i think he's going to be an attractive piece for sure. any coach out there because oh, yeah. he still has four years of eligibility remaining and Unlike other freshmen that are coming in right now, he has experience of being around a college basketball program, practicing against them, training like a college athlete. So it's 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 he's a little bit more unique. And again, he's a top fifty player. Yeah, he's a top fifty player in the his talent class. is there. Seven one. Yeah, seven foot one. We'll see. We'll see how this impacts, and we'll see what Kevin Keats does d- down the line. But I think overall, this offseason, Kevin Keats has done a really, really good job of developing his roster in terms of, okay, Traquavion Smith is going to the NBA, as he should. Mm-hmm. Two great years. Um, Jarkel Joyner leaving to go – or just out of eligibility. He's finished up uh, his career at, at NC State. So, overall, I would say – Good job on him getting some guys from the yeah. transfer portal. Ke- Kevin Keats has shown that he knows how to get people from the transfer portal, how to make the transfer portal work for, for him and for the team. All right, let's get to our top story. Carolina Hurricanes, game four is tonight. Puck dropped just after 7 o'clock. Storm watch with Adam Gold begins at 6. And Luis Fernandez, something that you mentioned earlier in the show. When Carolina gets a 3-1 series lead, they are 5-0 in franchise history. Undefeated. That's cut and dry. Cut and dry. Cut and dry. Are they going to win tonight? I don't know. That's why we bring on the host of Stormwatch, 
which you can hear coming up in about 40 minutes right here on The Fan. Adam Gold, host of the Adam Gold Show, which you can hear from noon to 3 here on 99.9 The Fan. All right, Adam. Canes are going to win this one by, like, seven, right? This That's how things are going to oh, flip no. around. They're going to win by seven. <laughs> oh, no. No? No, okay. no, no, no. They're no, going to miss no, no. an extra point, but they're going to win by I six. Like, uh, I like very few goals tonight. I'm mm. thinking a 4-2 game, in all honesty. I think it's going to be uh, a grinded out 3-2. Carolina Lake gets that fourth goal on an empty netter. Mm. Too, I, too that many? would be great. That would be great. I feel like we're going to be playing for a while tonight. Are you thinking oh. overtime, possibly? It's the way I feel. I, okay. I feel like we're going to – I think we're going to have the first tight into the third period game of the series. Okay. Well, Low I mean, scoring, when, I think. When you look at what, what it's been so far, I mean, it's just these wild finishes in yeah. terms of, like, you know, one team just dominating the other one, it feels like. Um, does, so does that mean that you feel like game three was a little more, a little more fluky? Oh, game three was a nut job. <laughs> yeah, to say <laughs> the least. The, I don't even know what that was. Game, game three was a gong show. Uh, straight down to uh, the unknown comic. Um, look, Car- Carolina was noticeably off of their compete level. I thought that was the biggest, mm-hmm. the yeah. biggest takeaway for me. Was n- not that they were not competitive, because obviously there were moments that they definitely were, but there were just little moments. Uh, the shorthanded goal that Michael McLeod scored. You know, Brent Burns doesn't have to give, you know, give in at the blue line so easily. Um, and then he left uh, Seth Jarvis to deal with it. Uh, Brett Pesci could help Brady Shea behind the net with Jack Hughes and Timo Meyer. That's not, you don't leave uh, one guy to handle two. No. Uh, Brett just ended up like, I mean, no offense, but kind of loitering out in front. Um, you know, maybe he could have bothered Jack Hughes, who made a brilliant pass across to Meyer behind the net. And Freddie was kind of out of position because he thought the puck was going to come out that side. So there were just little things that Carolina did very poorly. And uh, that part of that is the level of compete. So I think that'll be better. And I think if we can play a a, a game that these two teams want to play, which is somebody's going to get to the forecheck first, mm-hmm. uh, I, I just think we're going to have a low-scoring game. I, I could be – that could be wishful thinking on my part, but – uh, I just I think we're going to see something a little bit more tight checking. Adam Gold, host of Stormwatch and Aftermath, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Now, I will say this, though. The goaltending for New Jersey has been suspect all series. They've given up 15 goals between Schmidt well, and Vanacek. They've given up five goals, six goals, and four goals. I still look at, yeah, you lost 8-4, but you still scored four. I don't know. Right. The, the offense has been there for Carolina. I, I said that in the uh, – uh, what's it called? The Canes Corner Podcast. Yeah, what's it called? Um, yeah, <laughs> the, I said, the, the podcast I, that you host, yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm already tired. Gosh, I don't need overtime tonight. So Neither do I. <laughs> that, that was my ta- that was my takeaway. That uh, one of the thing, one of the reasons I really like where Carolina is is I know they're not going to be as generous uh, with time and space as they were in Game Three. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that, I mean, I think Carolina that it, it's there for them to score on Vitek Vanacek. Now, Vanacek is better than he has shown, uh, albeit not in the playoffs. His playoff numbers are really, really bad. Atrocious. Terrible. But he he was pretty good in the regular season. He was very good against Carolina in the regular season. He shut him out 3 nothing in the last time they met. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm assuming that we're going to get the best of Vitek Vanacek tonight. With that said, there were opportunities for Carolina to score more than the four they scored. So, um, yeah, I'm not, 
I don't think Carolina is – it's not Igor Shesterkin at the other end. It's no. not Andre Vasilevsky at the other end. So, uh, Carolina, and I think it will be Freddie Anderson tonight. Uh, Carolina, I like uh, I like their spot. Okay, I was, well, that's actually yeah, something I asked you. Is that, do you think it's going to be Freddie? I'm with you that it's going to be Freddie tonight. Because, yeah, he had that one soft goal on that shorthanded one to give it to McLeod. But I think what we saw in game number four – and against the Islanders, the bounce back that Carolina had after getting shellacked 5-1 in game three of that series. I fully expect a bounce back from not only Freddie tonight, but just the team as a whole. I fully expect a, a, a big-time bounce back. It might go to overtime, be low scoring like you said, but I don't know. It's it's not often we see Carolina have two back-to-back games that are bad. No, no. Uh, like I said, um, I expect them to not be so generous. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if Ronta were, I think – because he hadn't even been, he ha- hasn't even backed up yet. No, he hasn't backed up the and last two games. Remember, Freddie backed up the game game five here in in Raleigh mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. he played in game six on Long Island. So Ronta hasn't even backed up yet. So Ronta's not going to play until he at least is able to uh, at least be the understudy. And he's not going to do that tonight. My understanding is that he's still not 100% all the way there. So it'll be, it will be Kachetkov backing up Anderson. But even if Ronto were healthy enough to play, I still think it would have been the move to go to Freddie tonight. Mm-hmm. And, um, and with Freddie, uh, you know, playing as well as he did in the first, last three games before game three. And again, I agree. I think only the shorthand goal was on Freddie. The, uh, and there were other problems on that goal, but I think ultimately you have to stop that. Uh, I actually think that if you start Freddie in game four, regardless of the outcome, even if Freddie wins and plays well, you can go to Ronta in game five on home ice where he has been great just to get him back in the flow. I don't know if that's the way they'll play it. Uh, I do think Ronta will have to kind of back up before uh, he gets on the ice. And my understanding is, and I don't know, I don't have a confirmation on this. My understanding is that, um, Ronta's not quite all the way there. Hmm. Ronta eight and one in his past eleven uh, games at home, uh, nine forty three. Yeah, he's like percentage. a I mean, thousand. It's... He's a thousand and one. <laughs> <laughs> this basically this year yeah. since the first handful of starts, he has been amazing. Well, I, I think when when you watch game one and two, one of the most impressive things I felt for the Canes. I mean, you, we when you were talking to Dennis and I before game one, how Jack Hughes is just he's not. He's not on the top planet, but he's like hanging out right next to it. He's he's in that next tier of of players, and he when he had the opportunity in Game Three, I mean, he just two goals, two assists. He felt like he was just controlling everything. I mean, what can the Canes do? Well, first of all, yeah, I mean, the analogy I made is that Connor McDavid is not human. Yeah, that is, he is from outer space. Mm-hmm. Jack Hughes is at the top layer of NHL superstar. That isn't Connor McDavid. Um, but, uh, you know, here's the, the funny thing is that Hughes was excellent, but Hughes was sort of given the second goal. Yeah. Right? Uh, because Nason could have easily deflected that away. This is how, how close Carolina was to not being in scoreboard danger. Uh, Nate just could have scored. Pesci could have helped out. Nason was right there, had the puck on his backhand, could have knocked it out of harm's way. I don't think he realized that it was there for the most part. Uh, or it got on him quicker than he anticipated, and it just glanced off his stick and right to Jack Hughes. Um, the, the, everything that happened after the fourth goal was just the, the game had completely gone helter-skelter. 
Um, so Jack played great. I'm not not. I actually think that the more impactful offensive player was his brother, yeah. Luke. Oh, then Jack, Luke was great. Luke made some defensive mistakes that basically handed Carolina a couple of opportunities, but he is obviously a great puck mover. And I thought Carol, one of Carolina's biggest advantages in games one and two was how they were able to keep New Jersey in their own end because New Jersey just could not get out uh, and, and move the puck. Other than Dougie Hamilton, mm-hmm. there's not great puck movers coming out, but Luke Hughes... That's his thing. He can get the puck out of the zone. That's Adam Gold, host of Stormwatch, as well as the Adam Gold Show. Just go ahead and stick around. Just, we'll just pod you down because in about a half hour, Stormwatch starts. So just go ahead and stick yes. around right here online, Adam. We got you Thank covered. you. And thanks, big thanks to Adam Gold. Thank you for joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline.